So her body is talking to her. It's giving her less energy. It's slowing down her metabolism. And the point of that, it is divinely designed to tell us, stop being outwardly focused and focus inward, slow down so that you can access the benefit of cognitive empathy, of intuitive insight, the ability to forecast, the ability to analyze, the ability to know how to cut the fat. So if a woman is listening to her body, she allows herself to have lower energy She allows herself to slow down. She allows herself to go inward, which is what her body is trying to tell her to do during this phase. She will be able to tap into her superpower during this phase to be more successful, happier, healthier. And that's just phase one. All of the phases have superpowers and physiological changes. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and you guys are in for a treat today. I might say that on each of the previous two episodes, but I think you're really going to get something special today. I've got Kayla Osterhoff with me today. Kayla, how are things in your neck of the woods? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm out in Atlanta, Georgia, so it's been really hot out here, but cold inside because of all the AC. (laughs) (laughs) The beauty of AC. I know that, so some of the stuff I do is related to apartment investing. People were saying like, everybody moved to Texas in the 60s after like central HVAC came into, into existence. That's funny. I tend not to go further south when it's hot. Anyway, so we do things a little unconventionally. The listeners are going to love what you have to say. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, you can reach me on socials. Instagram is the best place to direct message me. And my handle is biocurious underscore Kayla. And then for all of the ladies listening who want to learn more about what we're going to talk about later on today, go to herbiorhythm.com. And there's a lot of awesome info about women's neuropsychology and why women are born leaders. Outstanding. We'll get that all linked up in the show notes. So all you have to do is click that button or link while you're listening. So that sounds weird. I don't even know if words the right word. Biocurious. We got to yeah. go down the path. How does Kayla become biocurious and what is it? Ooh, I think I've always been biocurious, not to be confused with biocurious, biocurious professionally, right? I came up with that name because I've always been in the field of the health sciences. I'm a big biology nerd and I'm always fascinated and interested and have been studying my entire life how the human body operates and how it thrives, how you can biohack 
your body to create an optimal system that functions at its highest level. And also so you can have the best human experience possible. So I've been fascinated with that within my educational career and also just socially and in my spare time. It's what I love to do. I'm formally trained in the health sciences with a bachelor's in health ecology, studying all of the regular hard sciences back then and really gaining an understanding of the body and how it works. And then I went on to study public health and epidemiology in my master's. And after that, I worked for several years for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And I worked in global most of the time and worked on all of the emergency responses that happened while I was there for seven years. So I worked on the Zika response. If you remember back to the Zika outbreak and I worked on both of the Ebola responses. And then I briefly worked on the COVID response before I left about a year and a half ago. And right now I'm in my doctoral degree, getting my degree in neuropsychophysiology. And that ties us back into my fascination with the body and especially with the brains and minds of women, which is what I primarily study now. Wow. The brains and minds of women. So you go from like studying pandemics or I don't even know if they're called pandemics, pandemics to all the rage now because of COVID, but like you go from studying these viruses to going into people's minds. So I don't see a direct line there, but I'm sure there's one. Help me out. Yeah. So that's all the body and how the body functions and reacts to its environment. Everything from epidemiology, which is looking at how the body responds to viruses and pathogens and different things within the environment, but it's all anatomy and physiology, right? The whole thing, the through line is anatomy and physiology. It's understanding how this human operating system works and how to optimize it. And I've always been fascinated with the brain specifically, which is why I went into the field of neuroscience and looking at the brain, it's really fascinating. And it's the probably the most interesting field of science, at least in my opinion, because it's much like the ocean on earth. With our brains, we've only discovered about 5% of its capacity, and we really don't understand a big chunk, 95% of exactly what goes on, how it works, and what it is capable of. So there's so much opportunity for growth and for new learnings and new discoveries in this field. And in fact, we're discovering new things all the time within the field of neuroscience. So it really is, it's a fascinating field to work in. And it's just one of my personal passions. And when you talk about the brain, you really can't ignore the mind. They're two different entities. They are not one and of the same. And I actually teach and educate about this. Something that I call the human operating system is the interaction between the brain the physical hardware of the human computer, if you want to call it, and the mind, which is the invisible aspect, it's the software that runs on the hardware of the human system. And so teaching about the interaction between these two entities, which have, they are independent of each other, but they also don't work and they don't run unless they interact with each other. (laughs) You're talking that talk now. So, all right. Mind and brain are different, right? 
Mind is operating system. Brain is hardware. Mind is software. Brain is hardware. So mind is like the programs that run on your computer that you install. You can't see them, but you know that you're installing them and they actually run on the hardware to create whatever it is that you're going for. Okay. So operating system or software controls hardware. It's more like a partnership. It's a partnership. Yeah. So the brain can tell your mind what to do. It goes back and forth. So it's not a direct correlation. One doesn't tell the other what to do. They respond to each other. So the information is going back and forth like this. And so if you think about it, the mind doesn't exist or have anywhere to manifest without the brain, the physical brain. The brain doesn't operate or do anything unless it has the mind. Think about your computer. If it had zero programs on it, what would it do? Nothing. Right. That's how the brain is. Okay. All right. And so we go from there to specifically women's brains. Why? Yes. Oh, women's brains and bodies and physiology and biochemistry is so fascinating and amazing and complex and so much different than a man's. And the reason why I study this area of science specifically is because, again, like the brain, there is a lot to gain and learn. Women represent the largest health science gap that has ever existed. And when you look back into history, you can understand why that's the case. Clinical research and all of these health-related studies typically leave women completely out of the picture. And it's because of our complexity. And it's actually because of something called our biorhythm which is our hormonal cycle, which actually impacts our biochemistry, our physiology, our brain function, our mood, our behavior, our energy levels, everything. And so it has a broader impact than just hormones ebbing and flowing. But the difference between men and women and the reason why women are left out of the research is because men are really good research subjects considering that their biorhythm repeats Every 24 hours, it's the same one. Every 24 hours, same biorhythm. For a woman, we do have a daily repeating biorhythm, which is the circadian rhythm, right? That's the sleep-wake cycle that is dominated by cortisol, our waking hormone, and melatonin, our sleeping hormone. So that is the driver of a man's biorhythm are those two hormones and all the rest of your hormones and systems and everything else really follow with that 24 hour circadian rhythm. Now for a woman, our body and our operating system is not a 24 hour repeating system. It's actually a 28 day ish system. And what rules us is not this 24 hour repeating system driven by cortisol and melatonin, though we do have that, that is not what drives us. That is not what impacts everything about us like a man. What drives us and impacts us are two other hormones, which is estrogen and progesterone, which ebb and flow go up and down throughout the course of a month and actually cause such significant changes in us when these two hormones flux and when they ebb that you could say that a woman is actually biochemically speaking four different humans, four different people over the course of a month. So Go back to the research. I didn't forget about the research gap. 
going back to the research gap, can you imagine doing research on one person who is actually four different people over the course of a month versus you could do research on one person, a man who stays the same the whole time? They are a consistent research subject. And then throw in the fact that, of course, women can get pregnant and carry children. So that makes them very risky research subjects, considering that could happen at any time. And they don't want that to happen, especially during the clinical trials and studies. So in 1977, the FDA actually formally banned all women of childbearing potential, so women who experience this hormone cycle, from all clinical research. And until the 90s, that was not overturned. But still, till this day, women are left out of the clinical research for those two same reasons. They are very complex research subjects, not very easy to research, and they are risky. (laughs) So when people come home and say, I don't know who she is. (laughs) Well, because you haven't gotten to know that version of her yet. This is amazing. And so is it safe to say that over the course of time, they also change or is that just, Mm -hmm. okay. And now I got to connect all the dots, right? So now are we also saying that the software is changing? The software and the hardware is changing both. Because of the chemicals that are. Because of the hormonal changes. Yes. So a woman's operating system This is the crux of it. This is the crux of all of my research, all of my work, what I do with women, what I teach on stages around the world is all around this specific thing. So a woman's hormonal changes, which actually drive her physiology, her biochemistry, her neurochemistry, everything that happens in her body are really driven and impacted by these two hormones. And because they change significantly, specifically, they, you could say they change four different times, though it's a slower process. But if you look at these points in time, you can see that it is very significantly different in each of the four phases. And so in each four of the four phases where the, bio, where the, the hormones are different, the biochemistry changes, the neurochemistry changes, the nervous system modulation changes, and the physiology changes overall. You could definitely say that women are four different people throughout the course of a month. And to your point, they are also different types of people throughout their lifetime, depending on the levels of these hormones and if they remain balanced or come out of balance. And then when you go later in the life cycle, when you get into perimenopause, menopause and postmenopause, the picture changes again. However, the consistent is that estrogen and progesterone drive the woman's operating system. And again, that operating system, the brain and the mind, the operating system changes not only during the course of a month, four times, but it also changes throughout her lifetime. <laughs> this is so fascinating. Okay. So who showed up to, along the way to help you go on this journey? Because you may have been experiencing some of this stuff, but yeah. there's not a lot of research, as you said, right? And there's yeah. no TV shows. There's no books. Like, how did this happen? It was definitely driven by my own personal experience and my own personal journey through burnout because I didn't understand how to operate my female system. And actually, most women don't. So it's crazy to think that 
I have spent the last 15 years in postgraduate level studies and work in the health sciences, specifically in biology. And not one time during any of that education was I ever told that I have a biorhythm, that I have four phases of my hormone cycle, and that there are significant changes that happen creating very different biological needs during each phase. Never once was I ever told any of that's all been revealed through my own story, which is that a few years ago, I found myself in full adrenal and hormonal burnout. And when you look at my life, you would wonder why. And I was confused too, because, you know, all of this education, I know how to take care of myself. I know how to be healthy. I eat right consistently. I exercise consistently. I have really healthy relationships and environments. I'm careful of toxins in my environment. I do all the things right. I'm learning and growing my brain and doing all the things that you're told to do to remain healthy. However, I was missing one critical component, which was I was completely ignoring my female biorhythm. And I was completely ignoring the fact that I have very different needs throughout the course of a month. I was only catering to maybe one version of me and not the other three. So what this led to is, you know, I was consistent in my routine day in and day out. I was a very hard worker. I would work full-time and go to school full-time. And so my days were really long consistently. I worked through the weekends. And even though I was doing all these health practices day in, day out, staying consistent, that was actually the problem. Women will never thrive in a repeating, consistent environment day in and day out because that is not how they are biologically designed. So with a lack of understanding of my biorhythm and a lack of alignment of my lifestyle to match and meet my biological needs that are changing, I burned myself out. And at that point, I had so much brain fog. I had an inability to stay fully alert throughout the entire day. I was having to take naps in the middle of the day, which completely scared me because I've never been a napper. And I was just, my mood was crazy. It was up and down and up and down. And my energy levels would crash just randomly, especially like after I ate any kind of food, even if it was the most healthy, amazing food ever, my energy would just bomb. And so when I got my lab testing done, I found out that not only were my adrenals completely burned out, which is your cortisol and melatonin system, that sleep-wake cycle. So that was totally messed up. But also because I was in this burnout cycle for so long and I didn't realize it and all I was doing was like perpetuating and battling it, what happened is my hormones also burned out and I essentially had the hormones of a 90-year-old woman at the ripe old age of 28. And so that was very scary. And so because of that, I went deep into the archives of any little tidbits of information that are out there, finding little bits of research here and there and just putting it all together. And over time, with a lot of research and just putting all the little clues and bits together along with my own personal experience, I was able to piece it together now, several years later, I understand exactly what happens during the course of a month within my body and how to meet the different needs that I have in each phase. And now 
I have the best cognition that I've ever had. I have the most energy that I've ever had. I have the most success I've ever had, the best and most healthiest relationships. And everything gets better when a woman comes into partnership with her body. And the first part is one, understanding her biorhythm and what of the four phases she is currently in and how to navigate and match her environment with it. But then also it's just listening to the cues that our body is giving us because our body, my body was talking to me the whole time and I was ignoring it. And so we need to actually listen to what our body is telling us because it is very intelligent and the female body specifically is absolutely brilliant in the way that it's designed. I had to put my glasses on because this is a very intense conversation. You guys better pay attention here. Kayla is giving you all the goods, right? And I said guys, but I probably should be saying ladies. Maybe guys and ladies. Guys, you got to oh, do with the ladies, say. right? Yeah. But the thing that you said that really raised my eyebrow was she can't have a consistent, I guess, schedule. I don't, I don't even know what the right word to put in, but you can't do the same thing every week of the month because you're a different person and, and yeah. you can, you're optimizing for a person each week. Yes, essentially. So it'll be helpful for me to just give a rundown of what the four phases are so that you can start to picture in your mind. And for all of the men listening, please don't tune out because if you have a female counterpart in your life, this information is going to help you so much to be able to relate to them, support them and interact with them in a really healthy way. So not that you want to tell them what's going on with their body, but at least you can have an understanding, right? Some women will be open to that conversation. It's super interesting for me because I got girls. I got two little girls. And so when I, it's crazy because, you know, a lot of folks will say, oh, well, when they become teenagers, they turn into little monsters and they're not Mm -hmm. the nicest people. And it's, they're different people each week, every four weeks. So they may not be the nicest person in week three. You know, the sweet person might come back in week four. I don't know. So this is absolutely fascinating. Please go. Yeah. And well, you remember also that When they're teenagers, that's when their hormone cycle starts. So that's when this four different people whole thing begins. And that's where that shift is. And then you're expecting them to be that same little girl that they always were, but that's not who they're going to be for the next big portion of their life. So I also want to mention that things like being moody or having PMS or having like painful periods and different things like this. These are actually not normal things. These are signs of dysfunction. And the reason why a lot of women have these levels of dysfunction is because they're actually not meeting their biological needs during all of their phases. So we'll just quickly do a crash course on the four phases of the female cycle and exactly what that means. I won't go into very detailed or very detailed analysis of the body, but I'll tell you where you can find more information if this sparks your interest. Starting with phase one, we're going to call menstruation phase one. And typically, and sadly, this is actually the only phase that women know that they have. Even myself, even after I graduated with my master's degree in the field of health science, I still only knew that I had a period and not a period. So menstruation and no menstruation. I didn't realize there was so much more to know there. So phase one is menstruation, the one that most women are familiar with. This is when a woman is actually shedding her uterine lining. I actually call this the shedding phase 
because it actually represents who she is during this phase as well. So in phase one, estrogen and progesterone, remember those two biochemicals, those hormones that really interact with and impact everything about us as women, they are at their lowest level of the entire 28 day period. And I use a 28 day example, but most women are not actually 28 days. They may be longer or shorter, but we'll just use 28 days as an example. In the phase one of the 28 day example is menstruation, estrogen and progesterone are at their very lowest level during this phase. Now, what happens when estrogen and progesterone are at their lowest phase, we have to understand that these two chemicals, these two hormones impact our physiology, impact our metabolism, impact our bioenergetics, and they impact our neurochemistry and brain function as well. So when these hormones are at their lowest level, we're producing the lowest levels of ATP. And that is, means that we have a lower level of energy during this phase. Naturally, we have a lower energy level. Also, our metabolism is slower during this phase. So we have a lower energy level. We have a lower metabolic rate. And our need for fuel for consumption is actually lower than it is during this phase than any of the others. So you can start to see how the lifestyle might match up with these things. Lower energy, we have lower metabolism. And then when we look at what's happening in the brain function, here's where the magic happens. And here's where an actual superpower, a cognitive superpower that women have during this phase comes online and actually can be accessed and utilized for her to be more successful, be healthier, be happier, all of those things. Looking at the brain function, we see that how it's modulated, something that comes online stronger during this phase is called cognitive empathy. And that is a fancy scientific term for intuition. So a woman's intuitive insight is heightened during menstruation because of what's happening in her physiology and what's happening in her brain. However, she will miss out on this opportunity if she is ignoring the cues that her body is giving her. So her body is talking to her. It's giving her less energy. It's slowing down her metabolism. And the point of that, it is divinely designed to tell us Stop being outwardly focused and focus inward. Slow down so that you can access the benefit of cognitive empathy, of intuitive insight, the ability to forecast, the ability to analyze, the ability to know how to cut the fat. So if a woman is listening to her body, she allows herself to have lower energy. She allows herself to slow down. She allows herself to go inward, which is what her body is trying to tell her to do during this phase. She will be able to tap into her superpower during this phase to be more successful, happier, healthier. And that's just phase one. All of the phases have superpowers and physiological changes. What's up, tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> what are the superpowers for the other three? I gotta know. Yes. So... 
you are like everybody. They're like, tell me the superpowers, tell me the superpowers. And the superpowers come from the physiological changes and the biorhythm. So in phase two, we're going into the follicular phase. And during this phase, estrogen is steadily rising. And so what this, what happens with this is our energy levels start to rise. We also start to see a rise of mood boosting neurochemicals. So serotonin and dopamine are two of the major mood boosting neurochemicals that start to increase. So we start to feel more outwardly expressive. We have more energy. We start to want to interact with other people more often. Our emotional intelligence, EQ, actually increases during this phase. And our superpower during this phase is our navigational ability. So our ability to navigate and our ability to strategically act. So if you remember back to menstruation, we got the intuitive insights. So there's some learnings there, right? Now it's time to take those learnings and put them into action, especially with our teams. Delegation, knowing how to navigate down the path now that we especially have this information that we got from the previous phase. Then from there, we go into the next phase, which is ovulation. This is a very short phase. It's only one to three days, typically. And this is when women are feeling their very best. Estrogen has risen to a peak. There's also a couple other female hormones that rise to a peak at this phase, the luteinizing hormone and the follicle stimulating hormone. And so with all of this, we have a boost of mood boosting neurochemicals. We have high energy. We're feeling outwardly expressive. Our emotional intelligence is at its peak. And we, our superpower during this time, our cognitive superpower is charisma, our charismatic character. So to benefit from this, we could do things like presenting. Our ability to be influential is heightened during this phase. We're magnetic. We could give a presentation or a pitch or work with strategic partners. There are ways that we can really benefit from the superpowers that happen. Then going from there into the next phase, which is the luteal phase, which is the longest of the phases. Technically, follicular is just as long. However, we split follicular for these purposes into menstruation and follicular, even though they overlap. So just to know they don't fit in their own individual box perfectly. But going into the luteal phase, it's one of the longer phases. And this is when estrogen is coming back down the other side of the curve, right? So estrogen is lowering, our energy levels are lowering, our mood boosting neurochemicals are starting to dwindle as well. And, but the superstar and the benefit that happens here is that progesterone rises to a peak during this phase. And this is actually my favorite phase as a lifelong learner and educator because the impact of this phase allows us to have a greater ability to learn and actually grow and mold our brain. So what happens when progesterone peaks during this phase, we see some interesting neurochemical changes. Specifically, we see a rise in brain-derived neurotrophic factor and neuronal growth factor. These are two, two chemicals that are released in the brain, neurochemicals, that actually enhance neurogenesis, which is actually growing of new brain cells. And just a nerdy little fact going back to why I love neuroscience is that even just thinking back 
it was about five years ago is when neuroscientists discovered that neurogenesis is actually possible in the human brain. Before that, we thought we had a finite number of brain cells. And once they're gone, that's not true. We can actually grow them. And women have a greater capacity and ability to grow new brain cells during the luteal phase. If, however, and only if she aligns her lifestyle to meet her needs during this phase, which specifically there's one major thing that she should be doing during this phase, which is getting quality sleep. When we sleep, this is when we have neural pruning, and this is when we have memory consolidation. And our memory, our ability to consolidate memories and our ability to learn new things and sustain that learning is heightened during this phase if we can get quality sleep and get the benefits of our sleep so that we can maintain the memories and the learnings. And we can also educate in, during this phase because we have a higher level of acuity. <laughs> what you're telling me is, hey, if I'm not ovulating, I shouldn't do a presentation. <laughs> no, but there are, there, there are certain times of if you can have control, there are certain times of your cycle where it probably won't be the best presentation unless you have to fight and go against the flow, swim up river to present at a really high level. So I would say if you can map your schedule around your biorhythm, which I do believe is what we will be able to do in the future when more people have this education, they understand that women will perform at their highest level if they can do it in accordance with their biorhythm and their superpowers. So the follicular phase and the follicular phase and the ovulation phase is really good for a pitching influential type presentation. And then the luteal phase is really good for more of an educational or teaching situation. All right. So the content is super dense and just being curious and interested is one thing, but at some point, I imagine you got to scratch your head on what is this all for? What am I doing it for? And so this is what I call the red pill moment. When did you decide that this is going to be my work? This is what I'm going to go all the way in on. And CDC, I think, pays pretty well. So I don't know why you turned your back on that to do this. So what was the red pill moment? Mm. For me, it was my own personal experience. And then watching the women that I work with transform. So with me, I started making little changes, just very, not very significant changes, just small tweaks. Like for instance, during the menstruation phase, because we have lower levels of energy, typically what we do, because we're groomed by society and influenced by how the world operates, which again is on that 24 hour repeating cycle, there was pressure to bring my energy levels up and not allow myself to have lower energy. So I would drink way more coffee. I would work out even harder and I would take nootropics like smart supplements. And I would try to function at the same level during that phase that I would during other phases outwardly. And I was completely ignoring what the benefit was during this phase. And I didn't even know that I had it. So just by making small tweaks like drinking less coffee during the menstruation phase, allowing my energy and my mood to be a little lower during this phase and accepting that's okay for me, working a little bit shorter hours during this phase, not pushing myself so hard and burning out my adrenals and hormones. 
And then understanding that in the next phase, I can make up for it. I can work longer days. I'm going to have a lot more energy. I'm going to feel a lot more outwardly expressive. I'm going to feel like interacting with team members. So just making little tweaks, drinking less coffee during menstruation. And then during the follicular phase, when my energy levels are naturally rising, this is a good time for me to have more of those physical exercise, especially endurance type training. And for me to work longer days and for me to drink a little bit more coffee or have more of these stimulants. And then in ovulation, it's again, it's all just about leaning into what's already naturally happening. This is a great time for me to be out and socialize. And actually it's going to be really healthy for me and help me to operate at my best to do. And then in the follicular phase, just understanding that I really have to prioritize my sleep. And so these are just small examples of thousands of examples and tweaks that can be made, but really understanding that when I can make one small adjustment in each phase that goes more in with alignment with my biorhythm and goes with the flow huge changes happen in my life. I have the best energy that I've ever had. My mood is stable. My hormones are healthy again. I'm back into balance with my body. I'm listening to my body and I feel better than I've ever felt. And I'm more successful than I've ever been. And this is all just by partnering with my body, listening to what my body is telling me to do. So then of course, as a scientist, I wonder, can this be replicated? Can I replicate this experiment? And if not, then it's just me. If so, then wow, this is pretty amazing. So then I started working with my women clients that I coach, and I started having them design their lifestyle around their biorhythm. So tracking their cycle, understanding what phase they're in, and then just making one adjustment in each phase in each cycle, just one. And the outcomes are massive. The energy increases and the mood stabilization and the ability to do way more in less time and be healthier and happier, it's standard across the board. It happens for every woman who starts to partner with her body. Wow. Okay. So what's been your worst fear in the process? I think my fear at first was realizing that our female operating system is so powerful and amazing and so divinely designed and gives us exactly what we need and want if we listen to it. But having a fear that, that again, that it was, that was just my situation and maybe it wasn't possible for other women, but then seeing that it was, was really mind blowing, even though it makes hundred percent scientific sense, there was always that fear that it might not be the case with all women. <laughs> yeah, because we all think we're alone when we're going through something. We're the only one that has the issue. And then when we figure it out, the question that I think most of us who are generous ask is, I wonder if somebody else could benefit from this. And how do I actually share it? And does it have worth or value? Because everything else is challenging. Because you want to help other people, you want them to feel good, but at the same token, it's, but I can't just give this all away because it's my time and it's not documented anywhere else. I was in the Petri dish. I was the, what do you call it? Uh, the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> I ran these experiments on myself. Okay. Your worst fear was that 
you couldn't replicate it. You figured out that you could. Was there a point when everything was on the line before you got to the place that you knew that you could help other people with this thing? Was there like a rock bottom? Oh, yeah. I would say I feel like I've been very fortunate in my life. And I'm also an eternal optimist. So I always see the glass half full. So I don't know that I ever experienced a rock bottom, but I've had a lots of struggles and lots of times where I wondered if I was on the right path, especially in my own healing journey. It took me a long time to figure out all this stuff with my body and my biorhythm. It was not overnight. It was years. And I would try something And that thing would work or it wouldn't work. And I would try something else and that thing would work or it wouldn't work. And then I would try a few things and then I wouldn't know what thing was working and what thing wasn't working. And so I'd have to go back and eliminate and add. And it was a big learning process. And the going from full burnout to coming back online healthy was several years for me. And it is several years for most people, men or women, because it's not something that you can just change your lifestyle and now you're automatically fixed. The damage has been done. It's going to take a while to build back up. In my case, it took almost 30 years to get to that point of burnout. And it took a few years to dig my way out of it. So there was a lot of times where I thought, how come I can't figure this out? Why am I not getting better? Why am I, I have all this education in the health sciences and I'm still feeling sick and burned out and having all these struggles doesn't make any sense. And of course you don't want to tell anyone because you don't want anybody to think that you don't know what you're doing in your field of work, especially that you should be the expert. So there was a lot of times where I felt lonely in that and where I wondered if I would ever be healthy again, or if I would ever figure it out. So I would say that those are definitely scary times and that's natural. And it's just part of it. It's, it's like being an entrepreneur. Like it's this, it's one day you're like, yes, I'm the king of the world. And then the next year, oh my gosh, I suck. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's how it was with my healing journey. And I'm grateful to be where I am now. And there's still so much to learn and so much that we can experiment with that it's actually really exciting to look forward and see what else can be done. What other kind of magical things will I discover? What, how will other women benefit from doing this and watching how other women come up with ideas that I never even had? It's really, it's fun. Wow. I love it. I love your heart. So if you had to pick one thing that you discovered on this journey that you could say before I started, I live like this way. And now I live like this way. What would be that one thing in the change of approach? Yeah, I have created an intimate relationship with my body. Whereas before I didn't have a relationship with my body, I was using it as a tool and I was grinding that tool down to the nubs. And now I have a partnership with my body. I have a certain reverence for my body and a certain level of respect for it. And I understand that my body is just not a tool for me to use. It's my partner. And so I have to treat my partner really well and stay in a healthy relationship with my partner so that we can both thrive. (laughs) I love it. And the the recurring theme with the software and the hardware partnering instead of somebody saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are you most grateful for, Kayla? My health and my brain. I love my brain. (laughs) And what dream are you most focused on catching next? My big dream, my dream is that 
women, when they're children in primary school, in standardized education, are given this information so that they don't have to ever experience what I experienced and so that they don't ever have to wonder why they're experiencing all these negative experiences in their life and having negative health outcomes. So if young women in primary school, when they get sex education, when they get education about the reproductive system, if we could just throw in just a few pieces about how their biorhythm works throughout their lifetime and how it actually is the driver of their life and to listen to their body and let it be okay that there are these different changes happening, that would make a massive impact and difference. And in fact, if we did that, we would see many more feminine leaders out in the world creating change. And I really do believe that feminine leadership, which is different than masculine leadership, right? So masculine leadership is here and it is at the top and it is thriving and it is amazing and we absolutely need it. Feminine leadership is down here. Hello, I'm way down here. I'm trying to come up, but I'm having struggles. And it's because I don't understand how to operate my female system. So when feminine leadership can come up here and match with masculine leadership, they will be able to partner. And that is when we will see huge evolution in our societies, in our cultures, in our businesses. And that is what I hope to see. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm going through Game of Thrones for the first time and I'm at the place where Jon Snow and just about all of his advisors are women. And I haven't gotten to the place where I know what actually happens at the end of the story. It's very different. It's a different approach. And I'm a big proponent for diversity and having different opinions because I think our experiences inform our opinions or biases, depending on how you want to look at it. So I, I really appreciate that perspective and that commentary. And I'm scared to open up the can of worms, but probably relevant here. So Simone Biles decided not to compete in the Olympics, at least in one event. I don't remember how, I don't know how the whole thing unfolded, but the fact of the matter was I just connected the dots. Maybe she just wasn't in the right week to be the Olympic champion that she needed to be, right? Just based on her biochemistry. And I guess we could just force it, right? And grind it to the nubs as you described it in the past. But yeah, I think when you look at professional athletes specifically, so I was a professional athlete. I actually competed with Team USA in duathlon. And that was part of why I burned out because I was trained when you're an athlete, you're expected to train every single day and you're expected to perform at a really high level every single day. And again, that might work well for men and a man's biorhythm, but that's really not going to work well for a woman's biorhythm. And so now I still do race and compete, but I do it in partnership with my body. So there are certain phases where I don't train. And then there are certain phases where I train heavier and there are certain phases where I train lighter and it's much more healthy for my body. And so it's, it's, it's the level of stress that your body can handle. And for a man that can stay pretty consistent. And for a woman, that level, that stress, we'll call it a stress bucket, right? The size of the bucket that you is determines how much stress you can handle. 
And for a woman, that bucket size is getting smaller and going bigger and getting smaller and going bigger. And for a man, it's pretty much the same size all the way across. So a man knows what, how much stress they can put in to meet their threshold before it starts overflowing and they start seeing symptoms and dysfunction. For a woman, if they don't understand that bucket is changing, then they, and they put the same level of stress in consistently, then that bucket is absolutely going to be overflowing at some point and they're going to be experiencing dysfunction and symptoms. So I don't know what's going on with her, but for me personally, over time with doing this consistent, very stressful physical effort, not mentally stressful, physically stressful, it overfilled my bucket and started overflowing out the sides. So it could be part of it. She could be in burnout now. She could be in a burnout cycle and stopping, taking a break and taking care of her body is absolutely a smart thing to do. I agree with you. I think it's smart and it's also courageous in a space and a place where we thought we're told just to turn on and stay on. So last question, Kayla, this has been outstanding is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? I want the listeners, men and women, to understand that a woman's body is very unique and that we don't know everything that we need to know about it to operate it properly. And so the number one thing that women need from their male counterparts and from themselves is flexibility so that they can listen to their body and understand what it needs and make the appropriate changes that they need to make to support themselves. Ladies, gentlemen, you heard it here first. (laughs) I know Kayla goes around the world and talks about this, but this is the first time I've had this conversation because I feel like all the other stuff is about, hey, just take this pill and you'll be okay instead of, no, you're changing and you should have different expectations as you change. So that's okay. It's okay to be in different cycles and different phases. You just have to understand and to be able to communicate that to the folks that are counting on you. So as always, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.